0: Well, welcome to First Turn, where we play board games for the first time and discuss our immediate reactions. It's like a book club, but for board games. I'm VP, and with me today is Kiwi. We're changing everything. <laughs>
1: it's the Twilight Zone.
0: No, it's First Turn Cast. That's true. Today, we're going to be playing Caverna Cave versus Cave. The game was designed by Uwe, Uwe. Uwe Rosenberg, mm-hmm. uh, who has done hundreds of games. Um, of course, Caverna, the Cave Farmers, Agricola. Uh, we also played A Feast for Odin. We've played Patchwork and again, tons of others. Uh, the artist is the all famous Clemens Frongs.
1: I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Yeah, no, we're just gonna it with that. that. This is Clemens Franz. He's He's done done a lot of stuff. Many of
0: the Uwe Rosenberg games. Some that you have heard us talk about on the podcast include, of course, Caverna, uh, the Cave Farmers, uh, Grand Austria Hotel, again, Patchwork. I feel like there's been many, many more, but uh, Orléans is also another one that he does. Uh, this particular Caverna game was published in 2017 and uh, by the big Asmodee.
1: Actually, in 2017, it was Mayfair Games oh. that did it, but they since have since stopped
0: Publishing. being a publisher.
1: Okay. Uh, I think they went out of business or something, and all of their games Almost all their games went to Asmodee. Okay. So now now Asmodee. Now it's Asmodee. Although it's out of stock, according to their website.
0: Okay. Good to know. Mm -hmm. You are standing before Cleft in the mountain, the new home of your dwarf tribe. There is a lot of work to be done with only two pairs of helping hands at the start. Soon, more members of your tribe will be able to help, but there is no time to be wasted. Another nearby tribe is seemingly doing better than you. So chop chop. Yep. Okay. <laughs> uh, cut into the mountain, furnish cavern after cavern, and collect grains, flax, and building resources. Look out for precious metals and get wealthier than the other tribe could have ever imagined.
1: So in this Uwe Rosenberg, Clemens Franz universe, Mm -hmm. dwarves live in tribes. Okay. I think usually we see them in like clans or families. I
0: mean, it's all just terms.
1: Sure. I think generally, though, when you see dwarves, they, they end up in like this Scottish...
0: Because kind mostly it's been written by English people. It's that's fine. True. What I'm curious about is how you chop-chop into a mountain.
1: Yeah, I saw that, and it's in the thing. And I was like, ah, I don't know if chop-chop's the word they wanted to use, but that was clearly what they translated it as. Okay,
0: okay. So our mechanics are tile placement and... Do-do-do-do...
1: Worker placement. Worker placement. Which makes sense based on the game. Right,
0: Caverna itself yeah. is, yeah.
1: So the box art, we've got... Uh, um a, a bearded dwarf and a, uh, a more effeminate dwarf. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say male and female. Cause you know, I don't know how they identify themselves, but they're staring at each other. And in the background, there's a, you know what, this is actually, uh, like the art style itself is very Clemens Franz, mm-hmm. but it's not your traditional Clemens Franz with just like a person, and an animal standing there. That's true. And then, you know, stuff in the background. This time we have two people staring at each other
0: and then and it's just
1: their heads.
0: And then in between them, though, is like this tunnel, obviously a yep. cave with two figures uh, being shadowed in. You could almost think of Plato's. Allegory of the no, cave.
1: No, we're not
0: talking about allegory of <laughs> the cave. I'm and then uh, through the hole, you see, of course, trees. It even looks like a little uh, cow that's in a cave. Oh, yeah. 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 I, can I mean, see you've that, got like cow. a little farmstead Which out there. Which makes sense
1: because there's cows, or I think actually they're bulls in the the big cavern Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm just. As an historian, I just wonder, are you going for cave people? No, I think we're pushing. I think we're
1: pushing. You got to push the I believe button because if you remember in Caverna, there was kind of an inside the cave part of the board Mm, and then there was an outside farming part of the board. And since
0: we're collecting green and flax and stuff, that mm -hmm. stuff is normally farmed versus uh, gathered wildly. So I'm supposing we're doing something similar in this game.
1: Yeah. And this isn't Minecraft. So you can't just put up a light block and and grow stuff inside. (laughs) Um, so would you pick this up off a shelf? Probably not. I've been very curious about it. Uh-huh. I think I would just because I really like Caverna. Okay. Um, and this game is, I think the problem with worker placement games is they're generally not designed to be played two players. Okay. Because a lot of them will have that one spot that's like, if you go here, you're the start player. And so they're clearly designed to be more than mm-hmm. a two player game. So oh. you think it's going to be more interesting than Caverna? I don't know if more color. interesting than Caverna, but it might be an interesting, like, to see if they make it work and it stays within that, like, do I feel like I'm playing Caverna mm-hmm. or would I rather play Caverna? Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I I think I would. Okay. Um, so, BP, how do you think it's played? It's been a while since we played Caverna. Because Eric is the one who owns that one.
0: Right. Uh Well, and I feel like I remember Agricola better, which I find which is weird, weird because dude. we only played it the once yeah. at the at Gen, Gen Con. Con. Um, but I remember you had to feed people. I yeah. feel like with everything, you have to feed people. And I always really focus on making sure my people are fed.
1: Which sounds like a decent ruler. Right. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, it's something that I talk about a lot in my classes too. You can't have civilizations or the rise of urban centers until you feed everybody. So we have to talk about food. This is also my excuse to talk about food every single class. Mm. Okay. So there's worker placements. If I remember correctly, um, the tile placement in Caverna is you kind of get to develop your own cave. So you could, uh, pick and place tiles, uh, that have certain shapes right which allow you to then be able to put either right certain animals in that space or a certain amount of people in that space because you can't have right more workers or more people if you don't have the space to put them sure right uh, so that's the tile placement part and then obviously you've got you can choose like if you're getting your resources uh, there's going to be, right, you place your worker to get your resources, your collection of grain and flax, or you're going to, you know, uh, you know, open up more space in your cave or you're going to buy a cow or, you know, whatever it is you need to do to fill your cave so that people come. Honestly,
1: remarkably close. Good. Yeah. Uh, so the history of uh, cave tribes fighting each other. mm Actually, almost.
0: Um, Paleolithic peoples, by and large, did live in uh, caves, just because it's a natural place of shelter, right? Um, where you can be right sheltered from the environment, such as rain, storm weather, etc. Because Paleolithic people didn't necessarily settle down. Um, in one place, they normally did move, not erratically, and they did manipulate the environment in order to find foods for themselves. It's like the whole fat diet paleo, right? Comes from how Paleolithic people lived off of the earth. But they were f- probably far more complex than most people give them credit for. But and the the association with caves that we know about these early humans is from their cave art, which is a big question mark sometimes on what they're trying to represent and sometimes in some of the representations what it's supposed to mean was it uh, designed for entertainment was it designed to tell stories like these are some of the questions archaeologists and scholars and historians have about some of the cave art but what is really cool about the cave art that maybe Caverna and Clemens Franz need to think about adding to their games is a uh, how widespread it is which i find really cool because it just when you find things like that all developing around the same time in very diverse locations it starts to really show you right like how human, like something really right innate about human nature that they're going to draw and leave marks and leave behind right remnants um of some sort of expression on, on walls in this case. So some of the really early ones you've probably seen images of have been like the hand stencils, right? Um, some of a little bit later uh, In the Paleolithic Period so some of those really Early hand ones date from almost like 30,000 years ago Maybe 40,000 years ago even I mean that's a long time uh, Civilizations have Only been around for roughly The last 6,000 years So for much of human civil, You know sim- humans living On this earth they lived uh, In these types of Right environments it's kind of really interesting but some of the later ones that were from about uh say 15 you know 10 to 15 thousand years ago uh are ones that represent right uh either some sort of human representation as well as animals and so um there's lots of really great surviving uh cave arts in indonesia actually in borneo some of the really early ones uh out in the indonesian islands uh, there's some in Africa as well that are very well preserved uh and hundreds in Spain and france and so some of of course the ones that have gotten the most kind of published on them the most written up on them are from the uh, caves in france and uh la Cau caves L a s c um i'm maybe mispronouncing that, but Uh, are some of the most famous. And if you do Google it, uh, it's really cool because you can take um, 3D tours through the caves, uh, I make some of my students do that in my early world uh, history classes when we're covering Paleolithic peoples. Um, they have closed off the caves to actually um, visitors, right? To help preserve them. And so going and doing virtual tours is some of the only ways. But some of the cool things they have in there is uh, some scholars have decided that some of the early artworks on that cave show some of the earliest animate animations Um, and so it's again really cool to think about how humans have constantly been finding ways to either tell story play games or entertain themselves right and so that leads us back to we are going to be entertaining ourselves with some game that hopefully includes some art
1: uh, okay, so okay. the game is played over eight rounds, and the player with the most points at the end is the winner. The first player is randomly chosen, but the rulebook does provide an alternative Ooh. as the smallest player goes first. Oh, that would be me this time. I, yeah, and it doesn't suggest how to define smallest um but since there's dwarves on the mm-hmm. on the on the thing I assume they mean uh, in stature or height.
0: Well how else would you mean?
1: Well you could go by weight, you could go by volume, you could I, go I by I still
0: think I take up less yes. weight and volume than you
1: do. <laughs> yes, but I just thought it was interesting like how they didn't actually define <laughs> Although I have my
0: my, my recent DM has said that my character is a little bit stout for a health, health. So maybe, I don't know. Um, Okay. So, how about the most recent to talk about and learn about caves?
1: Well, dwellings. It depends because I just learned about it. So I would mostly, so we'll go with you going first. (laughs) Uh, As the smallest player. All right. So each round is played over three phases. So the first phase is the new action. So we're going to take the leftmost face down action tile on the action board and reveal it. Then we'll go into the action phase. So beginning with the start player, players are going to take turns selecting an action. So first, they're going to move that action tile towards them. So basically off the action board, and then perform the action on the tile. You don't Mm -hmm. have to do everything that's on the tile. You can do nothing on the tile. You can just take it if you want. Um, You may only choose from tiles that are still on the action board with one exception. In the very last round, we'll get a a renovation tile. And you can only choose that if you have more gold than the other player. Mm. And if you're tied, nobody gets to choose it until somebody has more gold than the other. So actions will include your standard uh, worker placement type action. So there's collecting goods, there's exchanging goods. You can build walls, uh, which you need in order to furnish caves. You can raise walls. Uh, And that's R A Z, Right, which means tearing them down. down, Uh, You can excavate a cavern. So you can basically take one of the face-down tiles on your board and put it next to the action board. You can furnish a cavern. So you can pay the cost Mm -hmm. of a room near the action board and add it to one of the excavated areas in your cave. Um, And building the walls, some of those rooms will require that you have walls in certain orientations before you can place it. And the other stipulation is, is... uh, some of the w- walls or some of the rooms will have uh, basically orange backgrounds for their name, and some will have blue. And so you have to have more orange rooms than blue rooms. And then you can perform room actions, which will let you use the action of a room in your cave. So the round ends when players have had turns equal to the space they're on. So for rounds one through three, everybody will get two actions. For rounds four through seven, we'll get three actions. And for the last round, we will get four action, four turns. Basically, uh, the used action tiles are returned to the action board, and the start player token is passed to the other player. So, at the end of the eighth round, players will count up their victory points from built rooms and add the number of gold they have. All the other resources are worth nothing at the end of the game, and the player with the most points is the winner. In case of a tie, the player with the single highest value room is the tile is the winner. If there's still a tie after that. They share the victory, oh, oh, oh. and that is how we play Caverna Cave versus Cave.
0: Well, let's play. We just finished playing a game of Caverna Cave versus Cave,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and the winner was do 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 b. P. Okay. With 55 cave points. Why do you have dwarf points?
1: I don't know. I was just making it up.
0: Okay. Yeah. And uh, Kiwi came in with 40. Yours, 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 you got cave points too. Okay. I don't like being different. All right. That's fair. Okay. Yeah.
1: So, so winning you, strategy. Yeah. What was your Kiwi? winning strategy? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Who never wins games. Um, at first was just how I always do worker placement for uh, resources okay. and then uh, figuring out how to get rooms that gave you more resources yep. and then eventually figuring out that I could get rooms that gave me gold. I think getting one of those rooms was like really clutch and just kept me like The money,
1: yeah. I feel like you definitely wanted rooms that could convert into gold because there was a bunch of opportunities to use gold, plus, Mm -hmm. gold was points. Mm -hmm. So,
0: and then I I did that one expedition tile action. Uh, we think I may have done it wrong. Yeah, but that's okay. But I remember you guys used to always go on expeditions in the other games. Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, okay, they used to always do this, so this is a good
1: action. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I I don't know what I was trying to do. I I feel like I was just going for big point rooms, Mm. and then it ended up like some of the big point rooms just kind of like went away because either you got them or like I could just never afford them, or or the one where i like i built the wall first cuz i was like oh there's only one build wall thing mm-hmm. so i'm going to go for that but then you kept taking undermining like three rounds in a row <laughs> yeah. the first time i thought that you did it cuz i i had grabbed it initially and i felt like that's why you grabbed oh, it cuz there were other uh, excavations yeah, no. but the ones after that i knew specifically that you were going for it first so that i couldn't even know there were two other options for excavation i knew you were going for
0: it <laughs> Well I you
1: didn't need it. You didn't need to go under walls. You were just grabbing it because you ex- knew I needed to.
0: No, I think it came with other things too.
1: No, it was you got one choice or the other, I think.
0: I don't know. I I think you you yeah, it are. Was, trying, it was
1: one or the other.
0: I think you were trying to think I was much more take that than I was.
1: Yeah. Uh okay, so what did you think of the theme?
0: Did you feel like you were Putting a cave together?
1: Yeah. uh, I mean, I felt like I was putting something together. I don't know about a cave, but I I think at the beginning of the episode, I I had mentioned that I was wondering, like, how closely this would kind of mirror Mm -hmm. Caverna. uh, Caverna. And I thought, like, thematically, like, I felt like it was about the same level in terms of theme Mm -hmm. that Caverna had. And I felt like it, without repeating, like, the mechanics in Caverna... I felt like this did capture the theme of, like, I'm trying to dig out my cave and yeah. finishing the bits that I I dig out. Yeah,
0: I think so. And and with caverna, like, it was also less weird because I remember you, you would put, like, animals You'd inside. Put in, yeah. And I'm just like, <laughs> well, I mean, I guess at night, Cyclops, yeah. right, you would bring your sheep in at night. But you definitely took them out in the daytime to graze. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, so I thought thematically, like, I don't necessarily think that I was building a cave, but I definitely felt like I was playing a version of Caverna. Mm-hmm. So I, fe- I feel like it fit into that theme. And okay. I like Caverna, so there you I, go. I thought it, it worked well. Um, table presence.
0: I mean, it's I think, you know, it's definitely uh, of uh, Clemens Franz, right? Art. Yep. Um and and it had, right, the all the components. It was a little bit different in that you weren't, you didn't have like the stacks of the different things, right, for your elements. Yeah, for the like, resources. It, it had that counter. And that, I think, was just a lot cleaner yeah. than having piles of, right, the stuff that you would collect.
1: Well, I feel like the goal, too, was not necessarily because it's a two-player game creating a game that had a much smaller footprint. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think it did. And the, um, I mean, you get used to the iconography. It, it makes sense. I mean, it definitely looks like one of the Uwe Rosenberg. Like at first I was like, I'm oh, seeing Feast of Odin, right. Oh, Going yeah. through my head, oh, my but it's much, very much more simplex. Yeah. And so that's nice. Um, it's clean cut. Uh, you know, it's got the little, the, the action board has the little people down there to help you keep track. So, yeah, I think it's I, I don't know if it's a head turner when you're walking around, but it's definitely a noticeable. I think it's a cleaner version of some of the more complex games. Uh, and it's I mean, the, the cards are pretty cute.
1: Yeah, the way it was set up on Tabletop Simulator is we were sitting next to each other as the way it was oriented. Mm-hmm. But I think this would look really cool if you were sitting like against each other. Mm-hmm. And then and I think that's how it generally you're supposed to play, because when you pull the action tiles off, they go towards your side. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like who's who's picked what mm-hmm. and what they've picked. I think that would kind of be a little bit of a head turner because, you, you know, you look at it. Um, and we could just have the head. Yeah. And then you just like, then it feels daring in there feels. Face. feels very more duel-ish mm-hmm. than, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I thought, I agree with you on all the other stuff that you said about uh, table presence and art and things like that. So,
0: yeah. Okay. How about uh, mechanics, Kiwi? Yeah, so I think... Did this live up to an Uwe
1: Rosenberg game? I mean, I don't know if I could say like, oh yes, it felt like an Uwe Rosenberg. Um <laughs> but I do feel like the mechanics worked well together and like, it definitely wasn't clunky. Like you mentioned streamline and it mm-hmm. didn't feel more streamlined. I think for a two player game you definitely need to do that. I did like the fact that, you know, we talked about at the beginning where the problem with a lot of worker placement games is they there's usually a spot that says get be first player, mm-hmm. which is like a big deal. You want to be first player so you can get to where you want. Mm-hmm. So that idea that that's gone cuz mm-hmm. you can't really have that in a two player game and the first player just goes back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of takes that. And then it's it's worker placement but really like you're not placing workers, but that idea okay. of taking tiles, tiles is really the same thing. But I liked how all the mechanics work together, and like I said a little bit ago, like I felt like I was playing just a different version of Caverna, but I didn't feel like it was like like a bad version of Caverna. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, how's learning the game?
0: Um, uh, pretty straightforward. I feel like there was the question we did have, yeah. uh, because uh, at th- you know, it tells you how many walls you need to be able to place a room, and I was like, and I had uh, gone down to the bottom, and I was like, but if we have to have them in that same orientation, so I had asked, like, do they have to be in that orientation, or can they be right? You can, you can rotate your cards, and you were like, no, it has to be in that exact orientation. We haven't uncovered all the rooms yet, and I was just like, no, no, because otherwise, some of these just would not be possible. And so, uh, in fact, that was, I think. The only thing because we didn't get figure that out for like three rounds. And so I think for for learning wise, I was just like, but I just, you know, feel like that would not be right. And so there were definitely like some rooms that I just did not build at first because I was like, I can't do
1: that
0: because I don't have that pattern.
1: I I think I'm. I must've missed that little rule because it's in in like its own separate box that talks about the wall configuration. Mm -hmm. Um, But every example in the rule book has them all faced up Mm -hmm. so that you can read everything. But then when you read the rule, it's like, Hey, you can spin it to show like, Hey, here's how it matches the configuration on the tile and then orient it so that it's, Mm -hmm. that it's more legible and you can read it. So I think that's, that kind of messed me up. And that's really the only thing from the rule book. And then uh, the, the one bit that we did have up was the blue tiles. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what we had up for pretty much the whole game. Um, I don't think either one of us really grabbed a blue tile. I, I did at the, I did sort of the end. Mm-hmm. I would have had it earlier if somebody hadn't kept taking <laughs> um, Because you'd,
0: you'd built your walls before you... Yeah, and
1: <laughs> I'm like, I bet he wants thought, the dungeon, yeah. but yeah. Actually, I wanted the treasury when that popped up mm-hmm. and you grabbed that before me. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I feel like, you know, in terms of like, you know, when, when you compare it to like A Feast for Odin, mm-hmm. you're just like, oh, overwhelmed. Like, yeah. you're overwhelmed. Yeah. And I feel like this one, like you, you're you right. The The iconography was good. And the only the only places where the iconography was different was on those blue tiles. But in the rule book, there's a thing that lays out I'm like, OK, this is what these mm-hmm. tiles are. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was good. I, it was similar to like, I think Uwe Rosenberg does this in a bunch of his games where he does have like you know, the last couple of pages of the rule book are usually dedicated to specific action Mm -hmm. spaces. Um, I know he did it for Feast for Odin. There was like two pages worth of, you know, all the people that you could end up having in your cafe in Grand Mm Austria Hotel. Um, So I feel like, you know, I I feel like he has an understanding that sometimes the icons can be too much. Mm. Um, And I feel like one of the reasons he does it is so that, there's no requirement for language localization. Mm. All you have to do is localize the rulebook mm. and the icons can, you know, it's a universal language, basically. But sometimes you do have to describe it because he tries to take out as much as he can. So, yeah.
0: Player interaction. feel Play interactive. I mean, it's a two-player game. Yeah. So. so there's definitely
1: some interaction. Yeah. And... I think most of the time that somebody took something that we wanted, it wasn't on purpose. Yeah. Although I still think you a couple think of those, I, I those underminings. Yeah. <laughs> I think you did, um, or at least I felt like you right. were, because it felt very targeted. <laughs> I think
0: you give me much too much credit for trying to be in your head. Yeah.
1: So I don't think it was as direct as you might find in some two-player games, but I think there was enough interaction where I didn't feel like I was playing a separate game from you.
0: Yeah. I mean, because I I think of two-player games that are very interactive, like Fugitive, for instance, right? Um, But this was definitely like, I mean... I just had to wait till you took your turn and then see what my choices were. So it was really hard to actually plan in advance. Right. Um, Because you didn't know what the other person was going to take.
1: Yeah. I tried to have like a plan of what I wanted to do, but I usually had to adjust it by like the second turn because you had taken a tile that I needed for my plan. So I had to like, I had to change it up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you definitely felt like you're in competition.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: So the big question, Kiwi,
1: would you play it again? I think I would. Um, I like Caverna and I liked this version of Caverna and it's really nice to have, like I've never reached out to get Caverna for a couple reasons. One, uh, Eric, Eric had it, it. Uh-huh. but now we live pretty far from Eric. So like the ability to play it, you know, we'd have to play it virtually, but in terms of, you know, it's usually just you and I playing in mm-hmm. the house. And so I don't think... Sometimes, you know, worker placement games don't necessarily play great at two players. Mm-hmm. So it's nice that there was, there's an option out there that, one, has a small footprint, way smaller than Caverna, because mm-hmm. Caverna has a huge footprint. Um, and, and I like that. I think, you know, I was trying to think, have we played a, another two-player worker placement game? And 1987 Channel Tunnel mm. is technically a worker placement game. I think I liked this more than I liked Channel Tunnel.
0: Yeah. I don't think we, did we like channel tunnel?
1: I did. You didn't necessarily okay. like it.
0: Right. Yeah. Okay. That's why I remember it like that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that was more, I liked the worker placement aspect of right. it. Um, but for whatever reason, I felt like the worker placement, because we weren't actually placing workers here. It, mm-hmm. it felt a little bit different, mm-hmm. even though like mechanically speaking, we were doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, I actually would play this again. I think I liked this version actually more than the regular Caverna. Oh, why? Um, I think because it's just, it is so clean cut, you know? Um, It's just simple. It's just bare bones. Like, there's not very many options. Like, you know, you just, as you progress, sure, you get more options, but you still really kind of use the same ones over and over again, really. Um, I don't know. It just, it seemed a lot easier to 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 play, and I think that's just because there's just the less components to it, um, and it is just a two player. So you're going, you know, it's, faster yeah, too. Fast. So you're not like waiting for four or five people to figure out what they want to do because that can. Uh, there's a lot of downtime in some of those.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, I would play this again. Okay, yeah. All right. And that was Caverna Cave
1: versus Cave. So if you have any recommendations for games you'd like to hear our impressions on, please send them our way. You can do it via email at FirstTurnTabletop at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at FirstTurnCast. And the podcasting camel who is deep inside of a cave, (laughs) Uh, but he's totally fine. He's got a lamp. He's not unsafe. He's got a helmet. He's just... He's splunking the camel is splunking okay. uh, in a cave. Okay, um, there's other people he's not doing it alone, that would be crazy. Safety first, yes. Um, and the, so that podcasting camel says, Please don't forget to rate, 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 rate review you, you, and subscribe call, call, on your favorite podcatchers. We look forward word, word, to hearing from you. you, you. Play more games. You, you. <laughs>
0: I'm gonna undermine.
1: You son
0: a, <laughs> You son of a business. Ooh. What is that one? A gold vein.